Hey everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called Bad Days Are Good? (laughs) Really? No, I mean it. It is. It's a good thing, and I want to get into it today, so stick around, and I'm glad you're here. I know many of my listeners are avid mindset and meditation people, um, very in tune with how these thoughts become things. And, you know, honestly, I feel sometimes like it's a bit generational because I know when I was younger, it wasn't really embraced as a lifestyle choice, you know, and a belief system. But now more and more, I mean, maybe it's the circles I'm in these days, but I find that it's more the norm and it's not just accepted. It is almost like law. It is just like a law of physics. (laughs) You know, it's like this is just something that we all understand that is, and it's not even really a question any longer, Um, which is beautiful to see for sure. Uh, But what I will say is this sort of trend towards everything being so high vibe all the time. What if I told you it wasn't even necessary or even beneficial necessary all the time to manifest your dreams into reality. They didn't have to be so high vibe and on all the time. You know, I mean, well, first off, I I know I've told you all this before, but I think bad days are so healthy. You know, that's when that process work happens. It's that releasing of all the negative stuff, right? So if you're just flying high all the time, it's like you're really not acknowledging stuff that's going on. It's clearly, you know, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, nobody lives a life of, you know, gumdrops and rainbows. It's just not the way. So when people are truly sort of denying that part of their existence, there's a lot of sort of avoidance and shoving down going on, I think, behind, you know, behind the surface. And here's the thing with that, is that you want to do that process work and release all of that bad energy from our body's very cells, right? You know, it's getting rid of that negative imprint on our subconscious, you know? So yeah, let it out. (laughs) Get it out. Okay, so my dog has joined the party. You can hear him making loud, obnoxious noises. So here we go. (laughs) You know, the show has started when the dog arrives. Oh, gosh. Well, So yeah, you want to let it out and you don't want it to be making your cells unhealthy. Guys, you know this isn't medical advice. This is just my my own stuff, my own feelings on things. So I just always like to remind you all of that. But so back to it. (laughs) So I think that if we're trying to sort of, it's almost counterintuitive, right? So you think to yourself, well, you know, I don't want to be this sort of the sad sack in the corner. I don't want to be mopey all the time. I want to be upbeat and positive and look for the best and have gratitude and all these things, right? So there's that side of things. But then where does like these hard times fit into that? So uh, I recently, actually just this morning, once again, and this is the second time this has happened to me, that somebody made a comment about, oh, this girl must be on some kind of like happy pills or something, or, you know, what's her deal? <laughs> Nobody's like that. I truly am joyful all the time, guys. I, I can find a silver lining in the darkest cloud, but but it's not even that. It's like, why am I that way? Am I just shoving it down? And let me just tell you right now, I for sure, and I, I know I talk to you guys about this pretty openly, but I do have some unhealthy avoidance things that I do for sure. Um, it was like a early on coping mecha- 
mechanism for me. I had to sort of allow that IV drip of the painful stuff in because when it was just like opening the floodgates, um, you know, those windows are hard to shut once the water's pouring in, right? So it's like I, I let it in, but I don't let it overwhelm or overtake my whole entire day. And I think that's where the beauty is, right? If we can find that balance. Really, dog? He's so impressed with me. <laughs> but I do. I think there's a balance. And I think it's just all about if you can find a way to still have the release happening and letting it go and yet still be able to cope and um, move forward with joy, you know, and still embrace the gratitude and the light in situations. And, you know, no, no one wants to be around you if you're just negative all the time, you know, and I think that. So we grow from those lows, right? And I think it's because it's often that those lows are the catalyst to truly releasing the stuff to God. You know, when I talk about release at length, it's because you got to turn over that steering wheel, right? And when we allow that sadness to move out, those are the moments I feel like that connection of like turning it over happens the most. So they're so important and healthy. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's an important step towards achieving that healthy healing that you want. You know, it's not quite, it's, uh, I don't know, we've been taught almost that it's, it's counterintuitive, you know, it's like, we're being taught that if you're, you know, negative, that's, that you're some magnet to the bad stuff. And I don't, I don't think that's true as long as, so think about it this way, if there's 24 hours in a day. And if you were to spend the majority of those hours in a heavy place and just allowing the sadness and the hardship to like overtake you, I think that's primarily, I mean, you've just tipped the scale. In other words, I'm kind of bouncing around here, guys, because my thoughts are all over the place on this, but it's because it's a super important topic that I just want to really emphasize. Uh, you don't want to just shove it down. You want to have it. It's just that those, those have to be moments Oh, you know, and then like, so I had a moment this morning, a couple of them, one in the shower, one when I first got up this morning where the tears just came. Listen, I've been through some garbage the last couple of years. <laughs> Anybody who's been listening to my story knows, you know, you lose your husband, it's major. And so of course there's triggers, there's things that come up. Um, and that's where I feel like initially, yeah, I probably did not open the window at all. I just felt like it would have come in too far, too fast, too heavy. Then I let it all in and then I couldn't get off the floor. It was like, you know, I flipped the switch to like it, it started and I couldn't stop it. And then I got myself together in a moment of prayer and I quite literally asked to be picked up off my feet and shown some direction. And I got it. I really did. And I think that turning over happened because that big release, that big collapse. You know, had I not gotten to that place of just total you know, surrender and forfeit almost like, I don't think I could have fully embraced the giving it up, giving it over the stress and all that stuff that I was talking about last episode would have persisted, you know, it would have been the overwhelming theme of my life. So it's like when you think of the trauma in your life as something bad that happened to you, I feel like for me, I look at it as a gift because now I can see that every time I've had the worst stuff happen, I've had the biggest growth, you know, personal 
um, strength just coming out of nowhere and being able to sort of rise from the ashes as a phoenix moment. You know, it's like those always seem to come after the hardest hardships. I was just talking actually inside my Facebook group yesterday um, about this little globe of my son's that had shattered. I was trying to fix it for him by placing a, a new glass over the top, thinking I could fix this. You know, in all my scientific nerdiness, I thought I can fix this thing. I, I kind of neglected, I think, like the xenon gases and all these other things that were probably like no longer. <laughs> anyway, I thought, you know, let's start by making a nice glass seal so at these atoms and the light refraction and everything, like I was putting it all together in my brain. It was really beautiful in my mind's eye. So as I'm trying to do this, I cannot get the glass to seal and make a perfect seal because there were these sharp shards still shooting out the side. So what did I have to do in order to fix this glow ball? <laughs> it's called a plasma ball, if you're trying to visually picture it and wondering what it looked like. I had to literally shatter the glass further. I had to further break it down which to me was just like a beautiful gift of a message to share because sometimes we do have to be broken down even further before we can be repaired. And that sound might, I know it sounds nuts. I know how crazy that sounds to some people who are really in it. Like, no, I'm already at rock bottom. But I think that saying in and of itself, it says a lot, right? We think we're at our bottom, but really, if you open your eyes, there's so much worse that could still come. So please don't tempt fate with that. You know, it's like asking God to show you. So yeah, there's always a further you could drop. I have no doubt. So, you know, I just feel like every time I thought I was at rock bottom, I was given the gift of being shown I'm not. I have further to fall and be grateful and have gratitude for where you still stand. You know what I mean? And so, but I, I don't um, hate or, you know, look down on those moments anymore as like traumas or events that hurt me. I see them as like a catalyst that helped me and got me up off the ground and got me moving forward and into the light again. So back to the glow ball. <laughs> so the wildest part about this little ball was that even after I finally got the perfect seal in the process of whacking the rest of the glass off with a hammer into the trash, which shattered all over my kitchen. Um, <laughs> in the process of that, I ended up knocking all, well, there was six AA batteries in the back and I hadn't put the case cover back on because it was covered in battery acid because go figure, right? The batteries start to leak. <laughs> and that sound also familiar when we're feeling drained and stressed and we feel like we are running out of juice. Well, no doubt this thing was also out of juice and it was all over the place. So I had to clean it out. I put in new batteries. I hadn't quite cleaned the you know, the cover to put over it. So as I'm whacking the glass, the batteries shot out all over the floor, all but one. <laughs> and I just kept thinking to myself, this is such a beautiful thing, the way this is all coming together, because it's painting a picture for me. Because I think even when we feel like we've got no energy left and we're at the very bottom, there might just be a little juice left in there, right? There might be just a tiny bit of energy left inside you. So look for your batteries. <laughs> check your batteries because you might have a little more in you than you think you might still have just a smidge more to give and so if you can muster up that energy and keep moving forward all you got to do is just keep that perpetual motion going you don't ever want to come to a complete stop so as long as you keep a little motion going just like the you know the snowball building a little momentum and and gaining it's gonna it's gonna go somewhere so you know so here i am i get this 
the seal right now i'm looking at it like what is going on all right so then i gotta put my batteries back in right put the batteries back in the container make sure it's got everything it needs and then you know i wish this story could have the beautiful ending of this light show inside this ball again and that i had repaired it i had not <laughs> but even that taught me something i felt like man all i thought i saw a spark right i thought i saw a spark not sure I still think maybe highly unlikely, <laughs> just based on what I know about the science of it all. But still, the beauty to me in the message is that I didn't need to see it, right? I had to have faith. And that, I think, is, is kind of where we stumble sometimes. So we get so far as to be like, all right, so yeah, I can see it. Okay, so this might all be, you know, in my my greater good to get me stronger or whatever for what's next or I don't have to like it but I, I can do this like I hear people kind of like building themselves up all right I, I got this I can do it and then it's like the fear the worry the anxiety the all this stuff starts to set in the little voice in the back of your head that you start to listen to and what is that it is doubt it is what is doubt it's the opposite of faith right we're not trusting we have not turned it over I know this is such a common theme, but it's because I don't think it's set in yet just how controlling we are over our lives. Because I know I was in this boat. I kept saying, no, I've given it. I have said, take it. I don't want it anymore. I'm not doing this. Like you have a better plan, clearly. It's not the one for me that I would have chosen, clearly. We're on two separate paths and you're driving now. I'm done. And I felt like that was it, right? Like, I told you I'm done. I'm not driving anymore. This is you. It's all going to fall on you now. Everything that goes to garbage and crap is it's all on you. You did this. <laughs> is Was that what I was trying to do? I don't know, maybe. But uh, for sure, I was like, no, I did release it. But then I was still like having bad days where I was like, man, I just put in all this work and then no one showed up or, you know, anything like that where you would just get down on yourself and you start to worry and get anxious and like, what what's happening? That fear says you haven't released it. You don't even trust it. So that's the crazy part is you can look back at yourself and go, man, every single time fear and worry was in my life then you're saying I wasn't fully letting go. Yeah, that's it. I feel like that's, that's all it is. It's like we are still worried means that we're not trusting. So, yep, that's that simple. Like you can reflect back and say, have I totally let it go? And then, I mean, it's not as if I'm saying to just do nothing. I'm saying keep moving. But I will say that if I thought for even a second that, you know, because it wasn't now all going my way immediately, that, you know, I think that's it. Like, right, that's our gauge is, did I get what I wanted? Well, then if I didn't get what I wanted, then ah, I'm going to freak out again. No, I mean, I had to know that if that didn't happen, what, what faith tells you is then something else is going to happen. You know, if you didn't, if I was doing a live and I wanted all these people to show up and nobody came, just use that example, I don't know, um, then maybe it's because when people catch the replay, then a conversation might happen and I'm going to have an opportunity to say something that otherwise, you know, I they might not have said during the live event or something. Like, you just have to know that. Just let it go. It doesn't have to be, like, winning at life or getting your goal doesn't have to look the way you thought it did. You know, that's really a big lesson to be taken away from this is that, we are so caught up on the outcome and how it's going to look and how it's going to feel and what, you know, I mean, to the point where 
anything other than that exact outcome makes you feel like you're failing. Well, it's funny if I look back at my year, because I was just recently doing, you know, it's tax time. So everybody kind of looks back at their year a little bit. But I remember this exact month last year, I remember my biggest, so they kept saying like, well, what's your biggest goal? What do you think your biggest holdup to getting to that, that end result you want? What's the biggest thing in your way right now? And I said to them, an audience, if I could just have eyes on what I'm doing, I have no doubt it would be successful. All I need is an audience. I have no audience right now. And I kind of remember her being like, um, and well, her, I should explain myself here. I was at this time last year, I was within a class learning how to podcast of all things. Uh, And it ended up being a lot about mindset because I feel like everybody in their courses these days includes a lot of mindset around achieving your goals. Go figure, (laughs) right? Because we're all starting to figure out it's our minds that are holding us back. It's not the actual action. So anyway, I, she was, I was like a hot seat. I didn't, I remember her talking to me about like, where do you want to get and what's in the way? And when I told her it was audience, she was like, well, it's already done. I mean, your audience is already going to be there. So now what? (laughs) And I remember thinking, well, that's crazy. But you know, it's not that crazy because here I am, you know, a year later and I've got plenty of audience. Now audience is not the problem. I've got a lot of ears, a lot of eyes. And yet still, and yeah, I've achieved some of the goal, but yet still, I'm finding myself not at the, you know, sort of finish line that I expected, you know? And so it. I guess I didn't even know what I needed. I thought it was just I needed eyes on me and that wasn't it at all. So I was so um, like tunnel vision towards have to get the, you know, the audience, have to get the audience. I spent a whole year on audience And it wasn't even the thing that I should have been spending all my time on. It really wasn't. And so I'm still tweaking all these other parts. But it is very interesting that, I mean, it was told to me then and I thought I was crazy. Um, I thought it was crazy. I didn't think I was crazy. I thought I was right because don't we always, right? I was like, no, I'm telling you, if I could just get eyes on this, it'd be a done deal. And I mean, in part, it did. Like once I got an audience, like it, it started to grow itself. I mean, I don't eat like I started where I had to use ads to bring people in. And then now there's a big word of mouth and I've cut my, you know, spend in half and like more and more like I'm getting more people as I'm reducing what I'm paying. And um, I really don't need to do anything to get the audience anymore. I'm shutting the door on more people that I'm letting in. So that's that's beautiful, I guess. (laughs) You know, I, uh, I achieved that goal. And yet I still didn't feel satisfaction. So why is that? Because my goal was on getting in front of people. But that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get in front of people. And as a matter of fact, I hate being in front of people. So it was an interesting goal I set. (laughs) I don't even like that. I really just wanted to be able to get my message out. And if I actually look at that, I have achieved that goal. My message is largely out there. You know, my podcast has been heard a lot. My, you know, blog's been seen a lot. My Facebook groups are full. Um, You know, I definitely got the message out that I wanted to get out and I'm helping people every day. And isn't that really what the goal should have been anyway, was to just be able to like help so many people. And so why do we often still think like, well, I'm not there yet. It's probably because we're still caught up in like the financial part or the, 
Um, like for some people, it's more about the benefits of a job. You know, people want to have more vacation time or a higher title or whatever it is. And if that thing hasn't happened yet, then they think, well, it's a, a loss, but it's not. You know, I really don't think it is. Because think of it this way, like financially, as long as you're still able to have all that you need and want or whatever, then really, the again, it's very similar to me thinking that you need more people. It's like you're you're kind of shooting for the wrong thing. You don't even need that more money. It just feels safer, I guess, maybe. I mean, because my kids and I now kind of try to look at money as sort of an exchange of energy. If you look at it like that, and then it's like, well, if somebody does something wonderful for you, and then it's like a way to do something back, you know? It's like whether you pay them for their service or you give them a tip or you buy them a gift or you, whatever it is, like we use it more as like an exchange to let somebody know how much you value them. Um, but it's like money that people use that as the end goal or, you know, wanting that title. But for what? I mean, I can tell you this. Um, <laughs> my husband started from the bottom and worked his way right up in a bank. And I will say with certainty that we always had our eyes on the next prize, you know, like the next step, the next level up. And, and I did the same when I was working as a physical therapist. It was like always shooting for the next thing. But really, with each step up, it stripped away more of what we loved and wanted in our lives. So he was shooting for title because why? Why would that even be? Because he wanted to be in a position of, you know, power in the sense that he'd be able to have more say in how things went at work and all of that. Um, because everybody wants to be their own boss, truthfully. And because, you know, the financial piece, of course, you know, with um, a higher title comes more pay and often more, you know, time off on, you know, on paper, you could have however many weeks pretty much you wanted, especially if you're running the business. So in our mind, higher up meant more of that stuff we wanted. But we failed to notice <laughs> along the way that the stuff we really wanted was time together and the experiences of fun and freedom and all of those things you get less of as you work your way up on the corporate Ladder. Now, I'm not trying to talk anybody down because I love ambitious people. All I'm trying to say is keep in mind, especially if you feel like you're on the treadmill but running in place, you know, and you're not getting anywhere, that you might not even be wanting the finish line that you're shooting for because sometimes, you know, like if I, we wanted more time together, what do you think a, a higher title does? It makes you busier so you have less time with your family. You know, so it was more of a strain for us to try to be able to, you know, get him to take time off. We actually had lots of vacation weeks that he never got to use up and just went, you know, without use. So, you know, of course you can convince yourself that, um, you know, it's going to be shiny in that place. But just really question if, if that place that you're shooting for even holds all those things that you want. You know, you might be surprised. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and right after this, I've got so much more, so don't go anywhere. If you're looking for a solution to finding ways to be both supported through hard grief and also receiving more of like what you're hearing today in this podcast, but directed towards how to dig yourself out of the really hard and heavy grief, 
I have a program. It's called Loss Just Sucks. Grief Doesn't Have To. It's a healing accelerator where I have poured in all of the solutions that worked for me, that got me out of those dark, dark times and into real joy and happiness and the light back in my eyes and able to just enjoy my children while they are still young. <laughs> and if you're looking for some of that in your own life, you can send an email to heather at canyoucurecancer.com and I will be sure to send you over some information. All right, guys, back to the show. So before the break, I was talking about how letting it all out, all of the, you know, hard, heavy stuff inside of us is productive towards achieving healing and not counterintuitive as you might have been taught, right? So we have to think of it like this. Have you heard that little saying that we can see the peak most brightly from the valley? Well, here's what that means to me. When you think about being overly joyful all the time as sort of your like some people have that happy extreme, you know, all of the time. Well, guess what's on the opposite of that? Because I feel like there's an opposite to every emotion that we experience. And so if you're having those super high highs, on the opposite end of that, often are these unhealthy negative extremes. And we're trying to flatten the curve, right? Isn't that what we all want is to hop off that roller coaster. And to do that means not to deny yourself of the negative emotions. You know what I mean? You can't just completely hold that back or you're going to have super high highs, which means you're going to have super low lows. And I hate those extremes. It's like somewhere in the middle is where the joy exists and the gratitude and the good stuff where you can feel good about your life again. Um, Nobody wants to be sort of on those two you know, I don't want to use the term bipolar ends because it sounds like I'm talking about a diagnosis and I'm not. I'm just saying that when you are extremely happy, often when you crash, it's like to a very deep, dark place. So I find for me that when I I don't hold that super high extreme of happy all the time and I allow myself to let the sadness move through when it needs to, then I am almost buffering myself from that big fall crap that big crash you know that big fall and crash is what I was trying to say um and so yeah, I mean sometimes certain people might end up victim to that in your life where I I feel so badly that it's the same people I don't know what it is I wish I did um I mean some of them make perfect sense but there are certain people in my life who for whatever reason when they are around I am emotional and I can't figure out why like It's not just, um, you know, dependent on the conversation. It's really not. Same conversation with two very different people and one person's going to see one side of me and another person's going to get a whole different Heather. And all I can say to that is that I think there's the safety around certain people or there's an emotional connection that's happening where I feel very seen and heard or I know that they know my pain because they know what my my loving relationship with my husband was like or whatever, whatever it is. They get the phone call when it's a bad day. They get the true answer when they ask me, how are you? You know, they're the ones that always get to have that. And I know it's not always fair to the friends that are getting that dump, but I am so very grateful for the people who are there for me in that capacity. We all need to have that, I think, because, you know, 
ironically, I went as I was, I think, I, did I tell you guys this yet? Boy, my mind is starting to like, whoo. Um, <laughs> I went to a Celtics game with my kids over um, the weekend. And so I'll, there's a whole bunch of stories that go along with that. But um, well, actually, why don't I just give you guys a little rundown of how it went out. <laughs> So this was something that we truly enjoyed as a family, and um, we've been countless times, my husband and I anyway. The kids, I think, have only been once before, and it wasn't all that long before we got the cancer diagnosis. So, you know, relatively recently, and we had the time of our lives. It was like a spoiled, spoiled um, event because I think it was a client of my husband's had tickets to this, or like maybe season passes or whatever I don't know um, where we were in this area where you're basically like it's all you can eat food like kick back in the seats with a table in front of you it's like Lux uh, experience all in all so it, they were a little spoiled in that way anyway and they knew it wasn't going to be that but it was still so much fun let me just start with that we had the time of our lives but let, there's more to the story. So I'm extremely fearful of cities that I don't know at night. I don't know why. I just don't like it. Like I've always kind of avoided it. And then when my husband got sick with cancer, I was forced into it. And I've told some stories on this podcast. I'm not sure if any of you have heard them, but I remember distinctly the worst night of my life, really. I mean, even even after having lost him, I can still say this was one of the worst nights of my life was um, he had just had a brain surgery. So obviously already raw and worried about him, about you know everything that's going on. I had to go home and get my kids, get my dog off to his you know daycare place. So he was taken care of, middle of the night, pitch black, pouring rain, of course it would, you know? <laughs> just Murphy's Law there at an action. And so I get into the city, which already I'm so nervous about where I'm going always. And like, now I'm navigating in at night, which I was at that point was pretty familiar with. But, you know, with the kids in tow and the rain and everything, it was like more. Plus, it was so late at night that when I got there, now we were staying this time for an overnight. Um, they had a hotel. This is a beautiful thing that they do at, um, at this hospital. But they had a donated wing where they had basically a hotel inside the hospital that no one even really knew was there. It was like this little wing off to the side, which I'm not going to lie, spooky as heck because you have to walk all through this hotel at night, like through these weird hallways that no one else uses that are really like quiet and some old rickety elevators and stuff that were like, it was, there was an eeriness about it, like walking around by myself at night. But at any rate, when I go to park in the parking garage, <laughs> it was shut for the night, which I didn't know was a thing. So now I have to find another, well, not just another place to park my car, but I also had to find another way into the hospital because that's how I entered the hospital was through the parking garage always. I didn't even know how to get in. So now here we are pouring rain, two kids in tow, middle of the night, <laughs> nowhere to park. Then I get my car parked and we've got, you know, our luggage and everything and standing in the rain, can't figure out how to get in the building. So the only entrance I knew, which was like the main entrance to the hospital is closed. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm just standing there in full panic. And I look over and thank God, I might've told this story here before, but this homeless man helped us and was like, you looking to get in? And I was like, yeah, goes over there and it's like who does this I don't know but it's like down through this alley basically an entrance into the ER is the only opening to the hospital at this hour of the night <laughs> 
So, you know, you can just picture it. There's extra anxiety for me now around it, I think, even after that. You'd think like, oh, I conquered it. Now I can feel good about any situation because nothing can compare to that. But no, I think if anything, it might have just exacerbated it a bit more. But anyway, I knew we were going to do this. I wasn't too worried about it. I've got GPS. You know, modern days here, I can do this. So, <laughs> I mean, it used to be the reason I even joke about that is because I have memories of my parents struggling with a map when I was a kid trying to get to a Red Sox game. Now, if anybody knows Boston, guys, these, this is not a city of grids. I mean, you go to New York, it's like a blessing. Everything is like a grid and it's very simple to know where you're going. But Boston is a lot of dead ends, a lot of one ways and a lot of like angled roads kind of going this way and that way. It, every building feels like it looks alike. I mean, by the time you're done, you're just like, oh my God, I, I don't even know where I am anymore. You kind of feel very disoriented at times. So, I get down and in there and I'm proud of myself. I'm looking on my GPS. It literally says the parking garage is right in front of you. I look up and oh, there's the 24 seven parking sign. It's literally right in front of me. Wonderful. Look down, complete construction. So I don't know if normally you can just drive straight in and the construction was stopping that from happening. It's the only thing I can imagine because why would there not be a sign saying entrance into this parking garage is either this way or that way? So as I'm staring at it, I'm in a full panic. Call my call my brother first um, just because he works in the city and he's an easy like, okay, to help me out here. And uh, I'm sure you, it would have been probably better that he didn't answer because, you know, siblings and he'd probably be like eye rolling like, come on now. But um, so I call my sister-in-law who hasn't um, lived or worked in the city in a bit. So poor thing is like trying to figure out where I'm at. Like I'm telling her the two street names and she's like, I don't really know. Like I'm not, I can't picture it. It's been a while. Like I, so I'm like, all right, I just say a quick prayer. I'm like, all right, please just get me to the right place. <laughs> I just want this to go well. If you end up going the wrong way, by the way, just to give you guys a heads up as to where my anxiety comes from, you're going to end up back on the highway, which then probably take you a minimum of another half an hour to turn around and get back into the city. So I was just like, oh, please let this be right. So I pray, I take a turn, which was not where my instincts were, you know, wanting to go, but I was looking at the map and it kind of made sense and got so lucky or my prayers answered really so we get in i try to breathe through and just be you know okay did this you know check got in we're good um and then it occurs to me i don't even know how to get from this garage to the actual garden where the game is being held so you know there's that wave that comes over me i'm like you know what i've I've been here before and I know downtown Boston and I can figure it out. TD Garden is huge. Like, I'm not going to miss this. It's going to be fine. Well, it was like one of those moments of, so first, yeah, there was a little bit of a, I'm not sure because we were coming from like the backside basically of this garage and, and it wasn't familiar streets, but there was a lot of people around wearing you know, Celtics gear. And I could kind of say, for the most part, the crowds are kind of going this way. I'm going to follow. But the, yeah, for, I mean, in large part, everybody was going in a different direction because it was quite early still. And so people weren't headed to the game yet. Um, 
Not to mention everybody in Boston is wearing Celtics gear, so it doesn't necessarily mean follow this person, you're going to go where you're needing to go. And, uh, you know, I didn't really want to have to start asking people. I, it was, I was capable. At that point, I was still in the groove. I can do this. Um, and we got there fine and got to the restaurant I wanted to go to fine. And, and afterwards, I will say mm, it probably was a little harder than it was before the game to find, you know, to go back to the parking garage was trickier. So I ended up getting back to my car, but let me just say the adventure there was my phone. I decided to put it into MapQuest and Google Maps, both <laughs> cross check and put, you can put on that you're, you know, moving by foot. So I figured this would be the best way to just navigate to your parked car. Shouldn't be very hard, right? Well, I don't know, maybe it's all the construction going on down there, but this was, it, it would tell me to go left and as soon as I did, it was rerouting. So like clearly something was off and it was the worst timing for it to be off. Um, but I didn't let it phase me. I just kept trying. I did ask a couple of people, hey, do you happen to know where such and such parking garage is? They pointed me in the wrong direction, so I don't suggest that. <laughs> um, they actually had no idea where they were going either. And it's funny, our paths kind of kept weaving. You know, we would sort of go a different way and end up at the same place. But I don't think that we actually went off course necessarily. We might have done like an extra loop. We didn't have to. There was probably a little quicker way to get there, but it wasn't too, too bad. But at one point, I found myself in a very dark alley. Uh, again, I mean, not all that different than that time in the city with, you know, when there's a lot of homeless people on the side of the street and very dark and it's just me and two kids in tow. And I remember thinking that, um, I mean, I always feel like I have higher power watching over me anyway. I, I have a lot of faith and I don't fret for much. So I wasn't really worried about it. But I did remember thinking to myself that, you know, when my husband was there, there was an ease that I took for granted because, and it wasn't because he was so much better with a Google map and could have figured that out any better. Um, it wasn't that at all. It was more that when there's two people, you just, everything's an adventure, right? So you mess up, you go the wrong way. It's kind of like, it could still be fun. It could still be, a, you're still together and enjoying a, a night out. So who really cares? It might just take a few extra minutes. But when you're by yourself and you're trying to be quick and you're, I don't know, it just doesn't have the same feeling. And you don't have that same sense of security that like, oh, if I'm unsure, I can ask this person next to me and trust them. I know them, you know, You've, so you do feel a lot more alone in that. So anyway, I, well, we get home and after all of this and we finally find our way, um, <laughs> I just, I don't know what it was. The next morning I woke up and the floodgates were open. I wasn't upset. Like we had the best time and I wasn't sad about it. I wasn't, um, you know, like stressing over the things that had gone wrong. But emotionally, I guess I had been keeping the doors and the windows all locked tight again, and I didn't even realize it. So maybe in those moments, I was in a bit of overwhelm and stress, and I held it in and held it together because that's what I had to do to get through that. And then 
maybe then when I was in that safe space, it just came out because I had no emotional connection to what happened in my body. The, that release just happened all on its own, like someone hit a release valve. And the craziest part, so this is where this whole long story came from, is that the th- those friends that end up getting to be the dump at times, um, ironically, I had posted on Facebook a picture of us there or of my kids or whatever, to just to friends and family. And, um, and she saw it and said, oh, I've been wanting to check in. I've been such a bad friend. And how are things? And, uh, you know, we're always praying for you guys and thinking of you. And, and it was the most beautiful message. And I thought to myself, it's so funny. She, she said something really powerful that she thought she was such a bad friend. And I truly look at her as one of those people that I just, I always end up dumping it all on because I feel so safe to have the emotions I have. And like, she's not going to judge me. She's not going to try to throw a helping situation at it. She's just going to say the, what you want to hear, which is, it sucks and it does, you know? So no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be a loss of a person you're dealing with, but whatever you're dealing with in your life, to have somebody that can just see it for what it is and not have to feel like they have to offer a solution or a fix to it because that doesn't feel good. People that are just like there and listen and they're like, oh, honey, like I was thinking of you. I knew this would be hard. That would be so hard to do. I couldn't imagine if I had to do that. That's all I needed to hear. That was it. My soul just needed to be seen for like, I just went through this hard thing and no one even knows about it. I just went through an experience that I didn't want to have to do. I got through it. I got home and I was like, whoo, you know, made that adventure happen for my kids. It felt really good. I felt really proud of that. And I had no one to share it with. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the part where it's kind of like, oh, when you lost somebody, that's a big thing is that when you have nobody to like say anything to when something goes right nobody to celebrate with like my my poor kids sometimes like work things go right and I'll tell them about it because I'm just like I want to tell somebody (laughs) and they're like looking at me like I have no idea what that means mom but that's great we're happy for you so anyway um so she just happened to reach out on that morning just because she saw my post on Facebook and then responded but it was the timing of it was so beautiful. And so maybe sometimes it is timing. Maybe it's because they see, you know, your posts on social or they they hear, you know, a, a conversation you're having with somebody or what, whatever the reasons. It doesn't even matter. The point is they happen to be the one that reaches out in those moments when you need it. And again, I was just blessed for that. But I also think that that beautiful moment happened because my body said, you need this. It's starting to recognize for itself now when I'm holding too much back that it's time to let some of it out. And it ha- it was like before my kids got up for school and then I think right after I dropped them off, maybe even on the car ride home, a little bit more tears that it just wasn't, <laughs> it was like it just needed to happen. And then it, my rest of my day was really good. Um, but I think, you know, both things could have gone wrong. On the one hand, if that release never happened on its own, if it just, you know, like whatever reason, I didn't just allow myself to crumble like that, it probably would have been carried with me throughout the day, whether I realized it or not. It probably would have brought down the whole energy of that day. So if you're talking high vibe, back to that, the crew of people who out there right now who are listening, who love mindset stuff and all of the meditation work and, you know, all of that thoughts becomes things, population, (laughs) you know who you are. So for all of you who believe in that and who've been following me for a while and been hearing my messages, you know, I mean, I think that 
there you have to let it happen or it happens on its own anyway right so the holding in of the things it's going to come out if you don't allow it to be and if you're trying to stay high vibe all the time so allow the lower vibration and energy to release like allow it to happen that means when people say release i mean they mean let it go let it out let it pass through, but don't let it be your new vibration that you carry with yourself throughout the day. Don't let it be your new normal, your you know your new uh, vibrational energy for the day. Instead, allow it to move out, and so that that sort of outpouring doesn't happen at those random times when you don't want it to, right? So that's sort of how I manage that, and um, so yeah, I let I let that sort of overflow happened. But then the other thing I was going to say that that could have happened is that, um, you know, I could have allowed it to drag on the whole day. I could have allowed that to be my, you know, my new thing. So it's either you could hold it in and then it just falls out wherever it wants, like the roller coaster spikes that'll come and go and come and go. And you'll stay on that crazy rocky road. Or sometimes even, you know, it's not that so much as that you let it come out and then you know, can't stop it. You know, you just can't turn off. You can't shut the window again. The floods are coming. (laughs) So I think that it all shook out the way it had to. And thank goodness for that because Mondays are my day where I go live in my free Facebook group and in my client group to do some coaching. So like I needed to be in the right mindset. I couldn't be in that heavy space forever, but I needed to allow myself to have it. And I think many of us struggle with that juggle of, you know, how do you let want, you know, how do you let it move through, but then you still have so much to do in your day and you don't have time to deal with it. And like, you're worried you might not be able to turn it off, you know, but trust me, if you hold it back, it's still going to find its way out. You know, it's like the, the water balloon, you keep filling it, then, you know, eventually it's going to get a hole and it's going to burst. So don't do that to yourself. You know, while you can allow a little bit to come out, right? And then you never hit that point of burst. So that's my message for today. And I don't think that all, you know, all things bad are bad. (laughs) You know, I think it's good to have those emotional moments of sadness and, um, and you can still have a great day. So bad days can be good. (laughs) If that makes any sense at all. It does in my mind, guys. Thanks for joining and I'll see you again next week.